So as you can see by our Advent wreath that we are entering into this Advent season, four Sundays that lead up to the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And this word Advent comes from a Latin meaning coming, and, and what it is for us is an expectant waiting, a preparation of our hearts and our minds for the coming of our Savior, the incarnation of Jesus Christ, the in the flesh coming to us, and then it's an expectant time of waiting for his second coming. But I think there's a big danger that can happen during Advent season. We come and we worship, but sometimes we miss the point of what Advent is all about. The busyness of the season causes us to just rush through these church services and, and don't allow us to truly prepare our hearts and minds as we should for the real reason for this season. And so to help you, we have this sermon series for four weeks that's going to help. And, and our Advent series is called The Name, and there's the big focus of the name, but uh, it's called The Royal Names of the Royal Child. And I wondered how many of you have really thought about why is our church called Royal Redeemer? I mean, well, we get the Redeemer part, right? Jesus, the babe born, grows, lives, dies for our sins, rises again. But what about this idea of royal? And if I ask you what comes to mind when I say the word royal, it kind of depends on where you are in life. If you're my age, you'd probably say 14-cent hamburgers at Royal Castle. Or maybe uh, if you play cards a lot, you're looking for a royal flush. But I think for the general consensus here, we would say the word royal has to do with Britain, right? We think of kings and queens and royalty. But I would point you to the only true royalty that exists. And we find it in 1 Timothy 1. Now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, the honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Now we're going to focus on a section of scripture in each of these weeks in this Advent series. And uh, uh, George read it earlier, but it's worth going through a few more times here. Old Testament, Isaiah, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, the government will be on his shoulders. And then here are these phrases and names. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And so today, in each of the next three weeks, we're going to take a look at each of those names and kind of unpack them because they define who our Lord and Savior really is. And today we're going to take a look at this name, Wonderful Counselor. So what do you think it means when the Bible calls Jesus a wonderful counselor? I don't know. That he's wonderful and he's a good counselor. Okay. Someone who helps. Like, if you're sad, they'll probably do something to make you happier. Who is someone that you can always go to to talk to? My dad. Your dad? And why do you feel you can always talk to him? Because I know he won't get mad at me and he'll always be calm with me. I can always go to like my mom and dad. I really trust them. Yeah, and what makes them trustworthy? I think my mom is a little more trustworthy than my dad because, you know, it's just a special thing that me and my mom have and she's like kind and caring. Nice. Who is someone that you can always go to? God, I yeah. feel like he's always there. Yeah. And who's someone you can talk to about anything? God. About your mom or dad? <laughs> I mean, occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> what does it look like when you talk to God? It looks like really nothing because God's invisible. 
Do you think that God listens to us when we talk to him? Yeah. And how, how do we talk to God? Mm, I don't know. You don't know? What does it look, do you, do you ever pray at your house to God? Sometimes. Yeah, what does it look like when you pray to God? Um, we just fold our hands and close our eyes. Yeah. And how do you know that God's listening? Because He's always with me. Because the Bible says. How do we know that God hears us? Um, I don't know. So, Christ, the... Uh position in our lives as, as wonderful counselor means that we can trust him, right? We can trust him to listen to our problems, and we can trust him that he's going to guide us to make healthy choices. As I was preparing this message, I came across an illustration, and I think it helps us understand the value of having an Advent season. Uh, it's a story about a little girl. She comes home from Sunday school, and she is so excited. Mommy, mommy, mommy. The teacher said, I drew the most unusual Christmas picture she's ever seen. And a girl's just so excited about it. And Mom looks at the picture and just trying to figure out what in the world it is. And she goes, honey, it's a beautiful picture, but it's a picture of people riding in an airplane. What's that mean? And the little girl goes, oh, that's Jesus' flight to Egypt. And then the mother's just standing there, and the girl's a little disappointed. And, and the mom says, oh, I'm so sorry. It's all right, but who's the mean guy that's in the front of the airplane? Now the little girl's starting to sigh and impatient, and she says, Mother, that's Pontius the pilot. And now the mom's just trying to make this come out well, and it's not going well, and she goes, I'm sorry. She goes, but I do see Mary and Joseph and the baby here on that airplane. Who's the big fat guy in the back of the plane? And now the girl just sighs and goes, Mom, can't you tell? That's the round John Virgin. So, kind of a silly story, but it's the fact that this girl was confused, right? She was confused about what Advent is, and she was confused uh, about Jesus' birth and his life and, and everything and how it impacts our lives. And the reality is, so do we. We have lots of confusion about who is Jesus and why did he become a baby and, and, and why did he have to live and die and, and, and how does that impact our Christmas plans? And, and you know, I saw it written once that people have replaced uh, uh, the Savior with Santa and Rudolph has replaced the Redeemer and feasting has replaced faith and toys have replaced uh, our truth and glittering lights have replaced our love. And, and that's a sad statement to say. But that's the danger of Advent season, the busyness, the shopping, the decorating. And those are all wonderful things to do, but the more important thing to do is to focus on the greatest gift to all mankind, the birth of a Savior. And then, how does that impact my life? How does that impact the way I live? So let's go back to that verse one more time here. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Now, isn't God's word incredible? Think about this. 700 years before there even was Jesus being born in a manger, a prophet, a spokesman for God, gives us this credible message. 700 years before there was a manger, 700 years before a star rose in the sky, 700 years before the shepherds and the angels singing, and, and, and he wrote the center point of what this story's all about. 
the names, the identity, the attributes of the royal king. And those are impressive names for any baby, but for a baby born in a manger? Think about that. I don't know why you have your name. I don't know what your parents named you about. Maybe it was from a loved one uh, after them, or, or maybe it was a unique name or a cute name or whatever it might be. But I, I was looking at an article of some unique names, and some of them have to do with people's religious identity. And there was a Puritan couple, and they named their son Kill Sin. Wow. Imagine going through life with your title of that. But here's the funny part. His last name is Pimple. Kill Sin Pimple. Imagine the nicknames this kid got when he grew up. Or the White family. The White family had a bumper sticker for the name of their child. It was Fight the Good Fight of Faith White. Wow. Can you imagine that? And yet, I know the Apostle Paul would have liked that name. But we know Jesus has lots of names. And again, they identify him, his attributes, who he is. We know Emmanuel, God with us. But then there's so many more like Savior, Redeemer, Bread of Life, Lord, King of Kings, uh, uh, the Teacher, the Good Shepherd, the Rock, all on and on and on names. But today we're going to take a look at what it is to be the wonderful counselor. Now, I wanted to ask you a question. When's the last time you called something wonderful? Try to think for a second. Something wonderful. Maybe you went on a cruise and you said, wow, what a wonderful vacation we had. Or maybe somebody had a party that you didn't know about and it was a wonderful surprise. So this word wonderful is a kind of a unique word. Uh, it, it really means to inspire. It means to bring delight or admiration. Actually, the word in this section means great. And we know that Jesus was and he continues to be wonderful in all things. So let's look at that statement that I'm just making there. Number one, Jesus' birth was wonderful. I mean, think about it. A virgin mother conceived by the Holy Spirit, born to be a servant, born to be the king, born to be a prophet and a priest. And, and, and I say that because in Luke 1 we read that uh, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will call him Jesus. He will be great. He'll be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will be with him on the throne of his father David. So we do know his birth was wonderful, but his character is wonderful as well. I mean, God and man, perfect and sinless, loving and kind, perfect harmony with his father. Hebrews 4 tells us that uh, for we do not have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet did not sin. And then we know that Jesus' teachings were, and they continue to be, wonderful. 2,000 years later, we read his word, we study his word, he comes to us in his word, they direct us, they give us comfort and hope, and of course point us to true love. Matthew 22, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and then he says, this is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. He set the example for us. And then finally, Jesus' death and resurrection was and continues to be wonderful. His death proves he loves you, and his resurrection proves his power over sin and death and Satan. And you can be sure his second coming is going to be just as wonderful as well for all who trust in his name. 
John 3.16, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever, I hope you're all a whoever, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Henry David Thoreau was a little bit strange person, <clears throat> spend the whole day in Walden Pond. That's right, standing in water up to here because he really just wanted to experience the world the way a frog sees it. Now, as strange as that is, he never became a frog, did he? Now, Sesame Street did a skit, and I think it helps us tie all that together to the story of Jesus. You know, in the normal fairy tale, the beautiful princess kisses the frog, and the frog becomes a handsome prince, and they go off and live happily ever after. But in, the, in this uh, Sesame Street version, what happens is the princess kisses the frog, and she turns into a frog herself. Now, isn't that a little bit more about what Christmas is about, what the Advent preparations are about? God didn't just look down at this mess we have down here. This wonderful truth is that he emptied himself. He came down. He laid aside his place of glory. He walked in our shoes. and He swam in our pond. Now what I want to do with the rest of this time that I have here is I want us to take a minute and look at counselors. Human counselors in our life. What do they do and why are they there? And that'll help us then focus on the wonderful counselor that Jesus is. So as the video kind of asks the question, who do you go to for advice? Maybe mom. Maybe a best friend. Some of you, maybe social media. Kind of depends on how big the problem is. But what is a counselor? Well, a counselor is someone who's trained to give you guidance. And it can be in a lot of areas of your life. It could be personal, relational, legal, spiritual, psychological, lots of ways. But it's this person that has some expertise, some training, listening ears to be able to help challenge you or comfort you. So maybe you got an issue and you go to a licensed counselor, like a psychologist or a psychologist. Maybe life's kind of confusing at the moment. Maybe the death of a loved one. Or maybe you're struggling with an addiction. Or your marriage is on shaky grounds. Or, or the kids are out of control. And you go there so that they can help counsel you and guide you to healthier choices. Or maybe it's a spiritual issue that's got you in a dilemma. A moral dilemma. And, and in that case, you might seek some counsel maybe from a pastor. Or from a Stephen minister like we have here at Royal Redeemer. Or maybe a Christian counselor. Someone that can help you and challenge you to make Christ-centered choices and decisions. And to remind you that God's with you. Pastor John, Pastor Mark, myself can call Steve and our Stephen ministers. They are ready to do that. To walk alongside of you. But here's one maybe you've been in the position of. Maybe you got arrested. Maybe you're going to court. Now you need a different kind of counselor, don't you? You need a lawyer. You need an advocate. Someone who's going to have some, some knowledge in the legal area, but they're going to speak for you. Now you're probably going, man, this guy's doing a lot of talking about stuff, but where's Jesus come in all this? Well, i got to tell you something. Number one, thank Jesus Christ. Thank the Lord that he gives us and blesses us with these people that can walk alongside of us. But we're talking about Jesus as our wonderful counselor. Now, I just want you to know, in the King James translation, there's a comma, wonderful comma, 
counselor. It makes it look like two different entities. Well, first of all, in the Greek and in the Hebrew, there are no commas. So they were assigned. And, and quite frankly, after they were assigned with the King James Version, the other translations have taken that out and make it wonderful counselor, one word that is there or phrase. And, and I want us to look at that. I want us to really unpack that phrase. And so uh, when we identify Jesus as our wonderful counselor, what we're really saying is he's all-knowing and he's all-caring. He's someone we can go to because we trust the fact that he knows everything. Matter of fact, he knows you better than you know you. I mean, think about it. He handmade you. He has plans for you. He knows your strengths. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your struggles. He knows your joy. And unlike the Christian counselor or the legal counselor or psychologist, you don't have to wait six weeks to get an appointment. You don't have to limit your appointment to so many minutes and then the next person walks in. God's your great, wonderful counselor, and he's there 24-7 for you to listen to you, to comfort you, to give you guidance and strength and purpose. Because you're loved, he wants you to come to him. Luke 11 tells you, so I say to you, ask. It'll be given to you. Seek. You'll find. Knock. The door will be open. Everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. The one who knocks, the door will be open. And the question is for you, honestly, to say, but do I honestly believe that God knows what I need and what's best for me? Because if you do, then you can go and seek counsel from him. Now, this phrase, wonderful counselor, it's an incredible one. It's a, it's a helpful one for us to know. And, and, and in Psalm 139, it says that we can ask God and say, search me, God, know my heart, test me, Know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me. And then lead me in the way everlasting. So as your wonderful counselor, there's a, a number of qualities we get. Number one, Jesus is your heavenly advocate. One of my favorite words in the world, advocate. Someone who's there to speak for us. Someone there to be with us. And, and in, in 1 John it says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin but if anyone sins, we have, here it is, an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. As a wonderful counselor, we see that Jesus is our source of rest. I know you all need rest. He's our source of rest to us. Matthew 11, come to me if you're weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. As a wonderful counselor, Jesus will guide you to healthier choices He'll give you the wisdom to make healthy choices. Psalm 32, I will instruct you and teach you in the ways you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Wonderful counselor, Jesus will give you comfort. Comfort in the storms of life that come along. 2 Corinthians, for just as we share abundantly in the suffering of Christ, we also, our comfort abounds through Christ. And then lastly, as a wonderful counselor, Jesus satisfies the law through his death. That death, by the way, was for each one of you. Wages of your sin, Jesus took your place. Romans 5, 9. For just as the disobedience of one man, the many were made sinners, that's Adam, through the obedience of one man, Jesus, the many are made righteous. Now, I want us to really unpack this for a minute. This is really, really important to us. So I said that you had a lawyer that could speak for you as a human person in a courtroom, but Jesus is your wonderful counselor as well. 
And so I want you to think about the fact every single one of us have sinned, me included. We've all fallen short. We are all guilty. We all deserve a punishment, and the punishment is death, separation from God. So envision we're in a giant courtroom. God the Father is the judge sitting up there on the bench, and Satan is the accuser, and you are the person being accused. And you go, I'll represent myself on this one. Bad choice, by the way. So the judge says, uh, hey, I heard from Satan here that you stole a pack of bubble gum. You're guilty. Did you do it? <clears throat> you were thinking, uh, I went to church last week. I put something in the offering plate when I left too, Your Honor. Uh, I helped the lady next door. I'm a pretty good person. Satan goes, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not the point. That's not what we're here for. Did you steal the pack of gum? And now you start squirming. Oh, my goodness. And then you hear a voice from the back of the courtroom. It's Jesus. He stands up and he says, hey, I want to counsel on behalf of this person here if I can. And you go, Phew take anything right now. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And so the judge says to him, your client, did he take the pack of bubble gum? And you're just waiting for him to help you. And what does he say? Yep, he sure did. You go, what? How are you helping me? And the judge is ready to bring the gavel down and announce your sentence. And he goes, wait a minute. I'm his counselor. I'm his lawyer. I'm his advocate. I'm his wonderful counselor. And by the way, he did take it. And yet I already paid the price for that crime, that sin. Satan goes, darn it. And then he throws another crime, another crime, another sin, another offense. Same results each time. The wonderful counselor speaks on your behalf to the Father, and you win. What a great story, but the question is, now what? Well, if you came to me in my office and we were talking and, and, and you had an issue and I said, hey, I think you need to go to a psychologist and I gave you the name of a good psychologist and you took it and you went home and ignored my advice, never saw the counselor, you're still going to have a hard time, aren't you? You're not going to have any help from all of that. Or let's say uh, I visit you in jail and things aren't looking good and and so I tell you, hey, I got a great name of a lawyer who will represent you. And you go, ah, oh, no thanks, I'll take care of it myself. You're going to do some hard time, aren't you? Well, it's the same with our wonderful counselor, folks. It does no good just to know that the Bible says there's Jesus who's a wonderful counselor. That does you no good until you go to him, until you listen to him, until you take his advice and you let him counsel you. James 1.22 simply says, do not merely listen to the word and deceive yourselves. Do what it says. I got an image of being on an airplane and there's something goes wrong and the oxygen masks come down and, and, and it immediately announces, put it on you first, get healthy and in a good place, and then go help that other person who needs help, right? That's what we do. And yet the reality to all of that is Jesus, the wonderful counselor, is your oxygen mask. He wants you to be in a healthy place so that you can now go and help someone else and point them to the wonderful counselor. One of my very favorite verses in the Bible is 2 Corinthians. It says, Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort. And then here it is who comforts us in our troubles. Why? So that we can comfort those that are in trouble with the comfort that we ourselves receive from God. 
counsel counsels you so that you can be able to point others to that wonderful counselor. So this Advent season, I want you to get closer to your Lord and Savior. I want you to spend time in his word. Make a commitment. Read all of the Gospels and and read the Christmas message. Uh, Pray. Spend time. Seek God's counsel, his plans. All your struggles, go to him with them. All the storms of life. And then take action. Do what he asks you to do. A couple of action steps is, I hope you're willing to say, I will. This is you personally. I will Follow along in the Advent Sermon Series. I want you to hear each week. I want you to listen, to be involved, to digest all weeks in Advent. And after that, but right now, that's what I'm asking. And then I'm asking you to say, I will focus on Jesus as my wonderful counselor. I will see him in that image. Someone there to be my advocate. Someone there to counsel me. Someone there to direct me. And then finally, I will take this wonderful counselor's advice and act upon it. Lord, just thank you. Thank you for coming here on Christmas. But help us work through this Advent season. Help us to prepare our hearts and minds uh, to be blessings uh, to others, to receive your blessings in our lives. Thank you for being our wonderful counselor. Help us to not only hear you, but then to follow you. Amen.